1: kdos am 1060 and as always online at kdos 1060.com as well as with the kdos 1060 app powered by superbook sports it's a monday it's may 8th bob camp kayla morteloro with you up until noon today as we typically do mondays wednesdays thursdays and fridays what a weekend of hoops we were treated to we'll certainly get into all of that uh phoenix suns nba playoffs and what's coming up tonight as well but let's first set the scene with today's poll questions and let's start with the kdos 1060.com poll question are you surprised the suns won games three and four versus the nuggets right now the masses are out in front with yes at 63 percent and no is trailing at 37 percent of the vote.
0: Certainly the betting public was surprised. That game went down to a pick-em yesterday. In fact, there were a couple offshore places that I'm aware of that the uh, Nuggets were actually favored at game time. So there was tons of money yesterday on the Nuggets. So uh, there's some bettors around the country that were around the world, quite frankly, that were surprised at the result.
1: Well, we'll answer that question around 1130 today, tossing it on over to Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. Who do you have ATS tonight in Los Angeles? Options are Lakers minus three, Warriors plus three, and the masses are on the Warriors side of things at 62.5%, 37.5% are on the Lakers side of things. I guess uh, 62.5% of them think that uh, things will go well on the road for Golden State.
0: Yeah, well, as I mentioned at the end of the sports zone uh, in the last segment during the national roundup, there was a lot of Lakers money in the last hour or so. I'm not uh, exactly sure why that is. Uh, there were actually uh, some a couple two and a halves in the planet, uh, mainly threes, and now it's pretty much all gone back to three. So I don't know if anything. Good. Something certainly uh, yeah, there's been more of a you know more action on the uh, Lakers in the last. Uh, you know 15 minutes or so uh than there was the previous hour and a half or whatever it was uh, roughly you know from like eight o'clock on our time uh so i'm not sure what uh, the commotion was there for a while but now it seems to have kind of evened out and gone back to pretty much three everywhere i do see one two and a half in las vegas right now but that's uh there were more than that like you know t- 15 minutes ago
1: We'll answer that question as well around 1130. Still time for you to cast your vote. If you'd like to chime in, Suns Talk, NBA hoops, et cetera, you can. We'll have phone call time today around 1030 and 1115. And the number is 602-260-1060 to join. Well, we have to start. The Phoenix Suns. They're all tied up now, 2-2 with the Nuggets, heading back to Denver for Game 5 on Tuesday. Let's briefly go back, though, to Friday's contest, in which they won 121 to 114. Uh, happily I was wrong. I did not think that the Suns were going to win game three, but adjustments were made, and those adjustments worked. Campaign was in the starting lineup for the injured Chris Paul. TJ Warren, 26 minutes, including a clutch three at the end of the ballgame. He Contributed seven points. Landry Shamett, 25 minutes, four points. Terrence Ross, 14 minutes, five points. Three guys there that had not seen much playing time, if any playing time, in the previous two games. Terrence Ross, uh, I already mentioned him. Jock Landell, 22 minutes, nine rebounds, six points in that Friday contest. And boy, oh boy, Devin Booker, does it get any better than him uh, in that contest there for game three. 47 points, the efficiency as well. 20 of 25, five of eight from three, nine assists and six rebounds and just three turnovers.
0: Yeah, I understand all the points you're making, and I don't disagree with those, but I thought Friday night was far more the Nuggets not just not showing up than it was what the Suns did. And I'm not diminishing Booker's incredible efficiency really in both games over the weekend, and Durant got to the free throw line uh, after he had another poor shooting game, quite frankly, from the field. But I just thought it was the Nuggets who were just kind of thought this series was over and they were going through the motions and you know and certainly uh you know, you know Mr Malone certainly thought that after the game he was an unhappy human being after that game on Friday night he was more unhappy after the Friday night game than he was last night
1: Uh, you mentioned there, Kevin Durant, his struggles, he did end up with 39 points. His outside shot was struggling, but, uh, kudos to him for just taking it to the cup and, uh, getting some points there from the free throw line. In fact, if you looked at the, the box score, he had all the free throws except for two Devin Booker had too so he was he was the one that was doing all the damage from the line but that kind of helped get his shot going a little bit and finding ways to contribute because we've talked about it without those two guys scoring Kevin Durant and Devin Booker they continue to have to have monster games
0: right he took 31 field goal attempts on Friday night and and Aaron Gordon has really caused some significant problems I think for Durant in this series he was in foul trouble, Gordon was, for a lot of yesterday's game. got uh, the second foul in the first quarter. got the third foul, I believe it was early in the third quarter, uh, but uh, much better when Durant's taking 19 field goal attempts as opposed to 31. Uh, 19 yesterday, 31 on Friday night.
1: Uh, So we move into yesterday's contest with the Suns winning 129 to 124. Devin Booker continues to be the man here 36 points, 14 of 18, 3 of 4 from 3, and 12 assists. If we're doing the math here, that's 83 points. 79% from the field, 21 assists during the two games at home. And also there was a bit of a different strategy from the Nuggets yesterday where they were trapping him, uh, trying to force the ball out of his hands, trying to make him be a playmaker, and other guys were stepping up, and he was making the right plays out of those traps as well.
0: Agreed. Even though it's kind of astonishing how many times he's just kind of – it not, not completely in fast break mode, but uh, certainly they're playing at a faster tempo. And it's another thing that multiple nuggets pointed at after last night's game, not just Malone, but a couple of players, including Murray, is that he's just walking into three pointers in transition. Uh, and he's gotten a whole lot on that, not just three pointers, but you know, basically three pointers and taking it to the paint and getting to the rim some, too. And uh, I would assume. That is something that is going to change before tomorrow night, but I actually assume that would change before last night after similar things happened on Friday night.
1: You mentioned their Booker and fast break. Well, one, they're playing with a faster tempo. But two, uh, the broadcast mentioned it last night that Phoenix was last in the league in the NBA in fast break points during the regular season. And now they're leading the playoffs in fast break points. So obviously trying to push the pace. Uh, and that has been a key and maybe a key adjustment that the Suns have made from games one and two to coming home here with three and four.
0: I think part of it is that. I think the other part is they're playing two teams that also they play two teams in the postseason that also prefer you know not not necessarily also but definitely prefer up tempo. So I think that that's definitely mattered. It's not like the Suns' defense is being you know, clamping down the Nuggets and forcing more misses, because they're not. Uh, but the the Suns did win the rebound battle yesterday, which is is something the Nuggets have really been excellent at so far in the postseason, whether it be against Minnesota or in the first three games against Phoenix, but the Suns were, uh, I believe it was plus five, as it turned out, the the final number last night as far as rebounding goes.
1: Well, you mentioned rebounding here. Uh, Jokic, obviously he went off for 53 points, but only four rebounds. He's been a double machine when it comes to rebounding figures. He did have 11 assists, so I think kind of limiting him and uh, his rebounding ability there. I know Michael Porter Jr. did have, I I think it was like 11 rebounds as well, so some other opportunities there but certainly being active uh you saw uh, well the first possession of the game Ayton had like three offensive rebounds right in a row uh but certainly just being a little bit more active uh helps on the glass
0: true the, as far as the, uh, the Denver rebounding and the Jokic rebounding yeah you know, there were far few misses also uh especially in that game yesterday especially in that third quarter of the game yesterday where the two teams almost never missed uh so uh, I think that has something to do with it. I mean, there's, you know, there's been a, a, you know, lower, you know, lower, the volume for missed shots in this series, especially in these last two games in Phoenix, have been, you know, really low.
1: I think we also now switching back to the Sun side of things here have to give some credit to Jock Landell, uh, eight points, five rebounds, but he's uh, certainly. No one's going to be able to stop Jokic, right? 53 points. But he's certainly doing his best to to front him, get him into areas where there can be uh, some help coming at him and trying to make it a little bit more of a challenge than just a layup festival for Jokic.
0: Yeah, two things. One, I just don't understand why the Suns are not double-teaming more. In four games, I heard this morning that they've double-teamed him seven times. It's not like he doesn't have the ball. He has the ball in every possession, and it seems like it would be a good idea at least to try to do that. Monty Williams, as we've mentioned during the regular season, especially when they played OKC, hates the double team. But that was mainly you know, on perimeter players for OKC. So I don't quite get that. Uh, yeah, there's no question that Landau had a lot to do with their victory on Friday night. I don't think he had a particularly good game yesterday. Uh, but he certainly was a big part of them winning on Friday night. Aiton was awful on Friday night. And uh, he was much better yesterday. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, I didn't think that Landau was quite frankly, uh, Aiton was better yesterday than Landau was.
1: Uh, this is just a, a thought I had in my head when you were talking about not doubling as much. Do you think that it's just kind of a percentages play where they say, uh, it's better for us to let Jokic get his points as opposed to him kicking out for three, because then you're not going to lose that three battle?
0: Well, the Nuggets aren't shooting threes well at all. Um, you know, I would actually, you know, maybe if uh, you know, Murray's been awful, uh, you know, as far as spe- he's been really bad the fourth quarter of these two games in Phoenix. So I would, uh, I, I that's even more reason why I don't understand why they're not double teaming more because the Nuggets are, you know, the two games in Denver they made threes, but they certainly uh, have not been uh, shooting well at all from three to the, behind the arc in the in the two games here and. I would much rather have somebody else trying to beat me than Jokic just basically doing whatever he wants to do, seemingly. And uh, so, you know, I, I, I'm a little st- I'm, I'm perplexed uh, at what their actual strategy is against him, especially when the Nuggets are not making threes with a high, you know, high frequency that they were in Denver.
1: Kudos to Landry Shamet, though it was his game. Uh, you know, obviously not getting a lot of playing time there, games one and two. Uh, the noise about you didn't know, even
0: play one of those yeah. games.
1: Uh, what the, the the noise around how he's lack thereof contributing to to the team uh he went off yesterday 19 points five of eight from three and 30 minutes and also just a really great defensive effort and monty williams talked about that post game that it allowed uh you know his defense on jamal murray allowed devin booker to not have to take the primary defender
0: right and a lot of that was in the fourth quarter as i mentioned murray i wish i had the numbers i do not unfortunately but he's been not good at all in the fourth quarter of these two games that phoenix won here uh and uh shaman has been on him for a large chunk of the time certainly yesterday i actually thought his defense was just as important as making the five threes so we'll see how that goes with that then the best news is that you know the fact that Okogie's not on the floor for more than he has to be. He's out there for a little while, but he's got no chance uh, of stopping Murray. And uh, the fact that uh, I'm not even sure if Okogie's played any fourth quarter minutes the last two games. If he has, it's been just a handful.
1: Uh, we'll get into things moving forward with the series going back to Denver on Tuesday night, but I want to pose a question to you here. Is it too early for this question that with what Devin Booker is doing in these playoffs, is he performing at the highest level anyone has in a son's uniform?
0: Oh, I have no idea about that. Um, in the playoffs, you mean? Yeah. I would have uh, no uh, you know, Steve Nash had some insane series uh, back in the you know the heyday. And, and actually, Amari Stoudemire averaged pretty, pretty close to 40 points per game in one of those playoff series against the Spurs that they lost. And uh, that was, I remember uh, you know, Popovich saying he didn't really care how many points Stoudemire scored because they weren't going to let anybody else beat them. But, so I would say I, I, we're, we're not even through two series yet. Uh, and uh, you know, those teams got, uh, you know, at least into the conference finals. We we're not we we're not to that point, right? Uh, at least right now in these playoffs.
1: All right, too early for the question. We'll revisit later.
0: Okay, that sounds fair.
1: Okay. On the other side of the break, we'll dive into uh, the series 2-2, two, two, going back to Denver, I have a little conversation about maybe mindset, uh, the role players typically playing better at home, and we, we see this uh, taking place in both of these uh, Denver two games phoenix two games and so how we think game five might unfold as that takes place on tuesday and of course your calls today at uh, 10 30 and 11 15 the number is 602-260-1060 so we'll get to you a little bit later on in the program it is the extra point right here on kdos am 1060 online at kdos 1060.com and with the kdos 1060 app powered by superbook sports
0: We'll do what's best for the team and we'll do what's best for you. The Rich Eisen Show, coming to you weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Here on KDUS AM 1060 and KDUS1060.com.
1: 23 here on KDOS AM 1060 as always online at kdos1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports Bob Kemp Caleb Mortolaro with you up until noon today as we typically do Mondays Wednesdays Thursdays and Fridays cons- continuing our Phoenix Suns conversation following the uh, 129 to 124 victory yesterday they've evened up the series to a piece going back to Denver on Tuesday night uh, so each team so far has held home court So I wanted to to get your perception on this a little bit here that obviously we've seen statistically here, as well as maybe just the eye test that role players typically play better at home. So if you looked at what Aaron Gordon did in game one in Denver, 23 points, game two, 16 points, then in Phoenix, game three, nine points yesterday, 11 points, Bruce Brown off of the bench, game one, 14 points, game two, nine points, game three, 11 points, game four, five points uh so is it is it too simple to just say to ourselves well uh they're going back to denver so expect some of these players other than Jokic and jamal murray i know you mentioned some of the struggles that murray has had though uh to just automatically step back up and therefore the sun's role players who we saw step up here in phoenix to kind of go back to what we saw games one and two is that an oversimplification
0: yeah, a little bit, but I think uh, you maybe kind of break these guys down individually. Aaron Gordon had foul problems. I mean, yeah, you know, he had a huge role in Durant's issues uh, from the field and the, you know certainly in, uh you know really since the first quarter, if you take out the first he had fifteen points in the first quarter of game one. He had fourteen for the rest of that game. He had the had you know, twelve to thirty one on Friday night. And then on uh, you know on Sunday, you know, Gordon got his second foul very early in that game. Got another foul that put him in, back on the bench, and he missed a, he missed a lot of time. So, Gordon has been a nuisance I, uh, at best, at worst, depending on your viewpoint, uh, towards uh, Durant as uh, d- at the defensive end, and he's a really good defensive player against pretty much everybody. But he even has some success at least in this series against Durant so I think there's a little separate thing there as far as the other guys you mentioned yeah I think a lot of that is home and away away, except for Brown who has had some playoff success even when he played with Durant in Brooklyn Uh, so I would expect him to be you know a, a consistent player home and away but he hasn't been so far in this series
1: So as I mentioned, each team so far has held home court. Does this now put a little bit more pressure back on to Denver uh, because the series is tied up? They need to maintain their home court advantage and also do some of the previous failures of not making it to the Western Conference finals start to creep up a little bit. That maybe game five for them, uh, it feels a little bit more must win as opposed to any of the other previous four games they've experienced so far.
0: Okay, I'm gonna take both sides on that. I don't really think what happened has happened before means a whole lot for them in this postseason because they have uh, you know, a pretty much uh, you know, they have a different roster, uh, whether it's the fact that obviously Murray was injured in playoff series the last two years, really like three years. Uh, and uh, you know that led to, you know they, they obviously didn't go as far as many thought they would. And then also they've just they've added experience off the bench. You mentioned, you know, certainly Brown. I'm going to throw in Jeff Green, uh, who was a big part of their success. Another former Durant teammate, <laughs> so among other things. Uh, but uh, and they're so good at home. Uh, so I don't know if that puts more pressure on them or not, or makes them feel more comfortable because they, they're as good. Their home and road splits, not just the record, but their home and road splits. Are really unlike, and certainly any team to my recollection that is still in the playoffs right now
1: we talk about this a lot in, in football and, and you hear it all the time about like oh well we finished the season strong so we're going to have momentum carrying into next year and I'm not really a believer in that particular uh, essence because the team roster is completely different uh, you've had a long period of time in between plenty of things can take place I don't really know how that momentum carries over so when we bring this here to the series though the game just ended on Sunday they will play again on Tuesday so there's not much of a, a long layoff like there was from Denver to Phoenix is momentum now a thing in this particular instance and does that feel like for the Suns that the players that were inserted into the lineup with the adjustments made seeing their shots go in that that will carry over into game five
0: I've never been a believer in that uh, whether it be with the you know the that was an excellent analogy you made about the uh, football and I'll throw in baseball, too. You know, if, uh, you know, if your people are in fantasy baseball, uh, I keep hearing it every year in the offseason, well, that guy got off to a, You know, he was great at the end of the year. He's going to be good next year. And a lot of the September stats, especially in baseball, are somewhat phony because, you know, pitching staffs are different. You know, and you, have, you used to have the September call-ups call with a ton of pitchers that were just in the minor leagues before. and filling out rosters in September. There's less of that now. I'm not much for the momentum thing from one game to the other, quite frankly, in the postseason. And plus, we're in the conference semifinals now. So really, I you know, unless you don't think the Knicks are any good, and I understand that, uh, but you know, we're at the point now where, because you know, I think you know, the, the Heat are good with Jimmy Butler out there, Uh, I don't think we're at the point of the playoffs in the NBA where we have any really bad teams unless you think the Knicks Knicks just kind of suck, which I'm beginning to think.
1: Uh, He might be on to something there. Uh, I think this was you. I'm pretty sure it was you. We were talking about how uh, that when you do make adjustments within a series, that those adjustments kind of come earlier on in the series as opposed to later on in the series. So at this point now, game five, pretty much everyone has made their uh, adjustments here, and now it just comes down to knocking down shots. Obviously, some of the things that the Suns had to make were out of necessity with Chris Paul's injury and trying to get some more offense. Uh, now for the Nuggets, though, they got to figure out how to try to slow down Devin Booker.
0: Well, one way they can slow him down is just to you know, put more pressure on him full court uh, and uh, not let him just walk into threes or walk into you know, layup or pain attempts. And that's something that uh, I wish this was my own original idea, but it's something that you know, Malone and several Nuggets players have talked about after each of the last two games. Um, yeah, you know, that was me about. Yeah, uh, you know, I did say last week I'm not the only person that's come up with this wonderful theory over the years, uh, but I did mention it a lot of the adjustments in the in the postseason uh come early in the series and uh you know, since uh, i mentioned that uh, at some strategical point last week i've heard the exact same thing from you know, trey thompson and uh, not trey thompson that's his brother right clay thompson and also uh and, and from kevin duran on friday night after the suns won that uh, game uh, to make it a two-to-one series so yeah you know, he even you know He thinks that he should know because he's been the target of many adjustments in his playoff career, I'm sure.
1: Well, take full credit. I was giving you full credit for that uh, adjustment comment. Uh, okay,
0: never mind what I just said about the other guys. And so it's all me.
1: Oh, uh, we were talking as well at the beginning of the show here, the Lakers and the Warriors. And we do have a tweet in here about how that uh, they think that the commotion with the Lakers and the Warriors line going all over the place in the last few hours was when they announced Scott Foster is officiating the game for tonight.
0: Well, is Chris Paul in this game, too? I mean, it's always a Scott Foster thing. I mean, he refereed. I forgot which game it was. I think it was the Heat game on Saturday. Uh, and uh, did he make a big difference in that game? So if, the, if he made a big difference in games, he wouldn't continue to be calling these NBA playoff games every year.
1: I swear, he, he just flies around the country and he it's, like, it, it's obviously not. There's games off. But you're like, oh, my God, it's another Scott Foster game. Oh, it's another one. He's everywhere. It's um,
0: like these college basketball officials that literally are doing like five, six games a week um in different conferences it's crazy
1: 602 260 1060 that's the number if you'd like to join the program we'll take your calls now get to you on the other side of the break and they will also dive into more of the nba playoffs there was a wild finish to the 76ers in the celtics contest yesterday we'll dive into that and a little bit more as well from the world of the nba playoffs but if you'd like to interrupt Call us now, 602-260-1060, and we'll talk to you on the other side of the break. It is The Extra Point right here on KDUS AM 1060.
0: Carving out time in your afternoon for the Doug Gottlieb Show right here on KDUS AM 1060, 100.7 HD2, and KDUS1060.com. Weekdays from 1
1: to 3 p.m. Welcome back to Extra Point. It's Monday. It's May 8th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro, with you up until noon today as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Let's also talk about the overtime game yesterday in the Eastern Conference. You have the 76ers beating the Celtics 116-115. to 115. This series is all tied up at two apiece. Uh, James Harden, once again, he's the hero. The game-winning three, along with 42 points on 16 of 23 and six of nine from three. I've been scratching my head, so maybe you have some sort of understanding or Theory behind all of this. So we have the amazing game one that the 76ers steal from the Celtics without Joel Embiid. Then you have massive shooting struggles for James Harden in game two, which honestly, that was a little bit expected. We've seen some inconsistency from him in the last couple of years. But game three. He seemed, like, lost with the basketball. There would be times he'd be, like, driving in the lane and, like, wouldn't want to finish and kind of panicked and, like, was throwing it all over the place. And you're like, this is bizarre. And then game four comes out and is otherworldly and leads him to a victory.
0: Yeah, a lot of this has to do with just, uh, you know, quite frankly, Doc Rivers out coaching Joe Mazzulla. And, in fact, I, uh, just minutes ago, uh, during the break, I was listening to Kendrick Perkins, former Celtic, not exactly uh, c- you know, complimenting Missoula on his coaching in this series. And it's amazing to me how many times, you know, you know, the Sixers and Doc Rivers get exactly the matchup that they want. I mean, basically, you know, game three, Harden just sucked. Uh, so, you know, he had, he had open shots in that game and missed them and, Made some bad plays. You mentioned uh, the ball handling was poor, but it. it how many times are you going to run a high screen and roll and get you know? God bless him. Al Horford is a really. He actually did an excellent job defending Embiid yesterday, but how many times is he going to be, you know, you freed up and have to actually try to guard Harden? And the games that he's gone off, it's been a ridiculous amount of times that that's occurred. Also last night. Uh, yesterday afternoon, I guess, at the end of uh, the overtime period, the last possession that Philadelphia had, what the heck are the what are the Celtics doing defensively in that series? And uh, uh, you you, you know, basically you you just basically allow Harden to you know, get an open shot at that point. I have no idea what they're doing. Plus, they walked the ball up. They still have, they still have two timeouts remaining. By the way, the Celtics. In that game, they lost yesterday when they didn't get a shot off in the final possession. Uh, they walked the ball up the floor. Don't call a timeout, which I'm okay with, but you got to show some urgency. They could get at least two possessions in the uh, last 20 seconds of that game if they at least show some urgency and uh, you know show you know it was like you know like they didn't know the score. They played like it was tied. And they weren't behind. I just think that this has been a horrendous coaching job by the Celtics, not just in this series for Missoula, but in the last series against Atlanta. That series should have never gone as long as it did either. The Celtics have more good players than any team in a league, but you wouldn't know it if you watched them play these these two playoff series today.
1: I thought I had read something this weekend that uh, the Celtics players were kind of saying that Joe Missoula just lets him do their thing, that there's not really a whole lot of called offensive sets. And so maybe did that kind of rear its head that there wasn't an offensive set to be called that he he was just going with. I'm trusting you to make a play here at the end of the game. But 100 percent when they're just walking it up, I'm like they're taking way too much time. And and obviously it was too much time, even though Marcus Smart hit the shot.
0: My biggest problems with them in the postseason as far as coaching is what the hell are they doing at the defensive end of the floor? They keep getting matchups that they don't want. Uh, and I don't know how many, you know, how long is this going to last. It happened in the uh, previous series against the Hawks. Uh, you know, I get the Trey Young thing. He's going to go off in some games, but you know, Murray didn't even play one of those games. And you know, it still was an issue. I mean, it, it certainly shouldn't happen then. If you don't have Murray and Trey Young, what, what is the defensive idea here for the Celtics? I think that the, their bad defense, which I talked about last week uh, before they even played the two games in Philadelphia. What is going on here? I mean, they're not the greatest defensive team in history during the regular season, but you know this this is just bad coaching, and you know whether it's you know pregame or you know you know as far as scouting or whatever. But they just are—they seem to be in horrendous defensive matchups. The one that the opponent prefers to have for two series running now.
1: I will say that when the lead was slipping away for the 76ers and Doc Rivers kept calling timeout, I mean, obviously I would have 100% done that as well, but I was like, he's going to run out of timeouts here. The 76ers have got to get it together because they were, you know, obviously uh, had such a commanding lead and were letting the Celtics uh, inch their way back into this game, but then uh, some Celtics breakdowns at the end, and obviously the 76ers went on to win. Also some struggles for Jason Tatum, uh, scoring the basketball in the first half of the game, He did end up with 24 points, 9 of 20, 1 of 6 from 3, 18 rebounds, though. Jalen Brown, 10 of 16, 3 of 8 from 3, and 23 points. So that series is all tied up at 2 apiece. When we come to today's action, we have the Knicks and the Heat. The Knicks plus 4.5, the Heat minus 4.5, 4.30 p.m. The Heat do lead the series 2-1. And you could make the argument that the Heat should be leading this series 3-0, I think. But game three was won 105-86. Jimmy Butler returned from the ankle injury, 28 points. Uh, Can New York get a game in with Miami? Uh, The Knicks, they have not been good from behind the arc. Hitting a playoff low, 27.8% from three.
0: Yeah, I don't think they can win a game that Jimmy Butler plays. Uh, that's basically the way the series is gone. gone. You know, it's 2-0 when he's played, and the Knicks won the game that he didn't, and they barely won that game. They had to rally in the fourth quarter and get some astonishing plays from, you know, you know, maybe not astonishing, but pivotal plays and down-the-stretch plays from Hart and Brunson in that uh, game two at MSG, or they would have lost that game too. They're, yeah, I just don't think that they're – Good. Quite frankly, I know they had a ridiculous stretch towards the end of the regular season, but I think if you look at the majority of the regular season, they were a pretty average team, and they've been average in the postseason so far.
1: One thing to monitor for the Heat, potentially losing another body, Uh, Caleb Martin is listed as questionable with a back contusion. Obviously, he's had to step in and play some meaningful minutes, but for the Heat, uh, can't keep losing more players.
0: Well, but quickly, out for the. Well, I don't know if he's out. Uh, he's looking considered. They said yesterday he was doubtful. I'm sick of, you know, being misled on injuries in these playoffs from you know coaches and organizations and whoever the the the, the so-called insiders. I mean, a couple of the insiders have had you know, had a bad week last week. Uh, you know, completely you know botching up a couple of injury updates. So who knows? But. Uh, yeah quickly out for you if he doesn't play for the Knicks tonight, I think that's actually a bigger deal than you know, Martin for the for the heat.
1: Uh, Then you have the Warriors in the Lakers contest. Warriors plus three, Lakers minus three, seven o'clock tonight. L.A. leads this series to one game three. The Lakers won 127 to 97. Anthony Davis, 25 points, seven of 10 with 13 rebounds. The question is, can Anthony Davis put together multiple games in a row where he's the guy? So far, we haven't seen him do that in the Memphis Grizzlies series or in this series so far.
0: Totally accurate. Totally agree. And, uh, you yeah, know, I don't really have reason to say that we're going to expect two straight game, good games from Anthony Davis. Uh, it's not like other guys around him have played well. And, you know, they, they, you know the games that he hasn't played well seems like uh, it's been kind of a team meltdown in most in, in a couple of those games. LeBron didn't show up at all. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. Yeah, you know, LeBron, uh, did, what is it, a quarter and a half? He didn't even take a shot. Uh, on Saturday, and uh, I don't know if he's conserving himself towards the end of the game because I don't think there's any doubt that he really can't go You know, know, at this stage of his career, can't really uh, go full out from minute one through minute 48. He's not playing all 48 minutes, but he's playing in the 40s a lot, so I don't know if he's conserving energy or whatever, Uh, but we'll see. The Lakers' complementary players, I think, have actually had plenty to do with their two wins in this series so far, though. Uh,
1: The Lakers, though, to your point about complementary pieces and and their players and how they've been performing as well, uh, they did something that they don't normally do. They hit 15 threes in game three. So the question is, will that happen again? And will the Warriors have such an off-night shooting from three?
0: Well, LeBron hit some of those. Remember, he was atrocious in the postseason from behind the arc until that game on Saturday. So that was part of that. So we'll see what happens. If you know, they, they actually the Lakers, you know, if they want to put their best defenders on the floor, you know they can put four or five guys out there simultaneous who are, who are really good. Uh, so we'll see how the uh, the Warriors adjust to that. Also, Draymond Green with the foul problems on you know massive foul problems on Saturday. It seemed like he had like you know two fouls before the game even started the way things were going and of course he got a technical foul and didn't handle his foul problems very well
1: uh do we still have concerns about the Warriors on the road
0: I don't I mean they won games five and seven in Sacramento so you know I I think we're I'm done with that I mean if they lose tonight I'm sure somebody will throw that back at me which is fine and fair but uh, you know, they won you know, the last two games at Sacramento. And, you know, that's a far tougher environment than playing in Los Angeles in front of all the beautiful people.
1: <laughs> well, that's a perfect way to end the segment with all the beautiful, well, the beautiful people.
0: people. Yeah, they're more concerned about being beautiful than being like a real factor crowd wise.
1: We'll we'll come back on the other side of the break. (laughs) They're doing
0: a nice, they are beautiful, though. I will say that some of them are certainly beautiful. Yeah, no doubt. I'm sure you would be
1: stunned to know their beauty routine.
0: It's true. Then there's Jack Jack, Jack Nicholson's even back at games on a regular basis now. So there you go
1: on the other side of the break we'll wrap up our number one we'll uh get into a little bit about what's going on with the pga tour and uh who won quail hollow wells fargo championship we'll also get into the arizona diamondbacks in major league baseball probably that'll kick start our number two lots still to come right here on kdos am 1060 it is the extra point bob Kemp, caleb mortellaro with you Listener rewards for you with the KTUS 1060 app.
0: Download today to hear all of the national and local shows you love. That's the KTUS 1060 app.
1: number one of Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at kdos1060.com. And with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports, make sure you're downloading the app, signing up and taking advantage of the listener rewards available to you All right, so over in the PGA Tour, they were at uh, Quail Hollow for the Wells Fargo Championship. It was another designated event, and we've been monitoring throughout the year here how how's the top of the board been doing? Well, the top of the board odds on favorite was Rory McIlroy heading into the week. He played well in round one and then had some struggles. He made the cut on the number. And the weekend didn't go much better for him, tied for 47th and even par for the week. Uh, this is certainly maybe concerning when you're looking into things in a couple of weeks' time, because the PGA Championship from Oak Hill is in two weeks. So if you're trying to pick some guys uh, that are heading into that event in form, you have some question marks about Rory, because you had uh, what happened at Augusta, then you had him withdrawing from the RBC, taking some time off and then coming out here and especially on a course that he plays really well and has a great track record of you're kind of just wondering where's the game was this more of a tune-up where is he kind of at mentally here so question marks ahead for Rory in two weeks time for Oak Hill uh, in the Rochester area but the champion Wyndham Clark 19 under par a final round of three under par to win by four and uh, I know I've mentioned wyndham clark bob because you thought he was like somehow related to the hotels
0: yeah, yeah. well i didn't know I, I think i was being a little sarcastic i mean there, yes yes you the, are I, i've heard of the wyndham hotels yes uh and i've heard yeah I, i'm sure there's somebody i've known probably people named clark yeah, you know, first and last names, right?
1: Very true on that front as well. Uh, okay. Double names there. Wyndham Clark. So <laughs> he goes go. on to win, though, and he's just been knocking on the door. He hasn't been able to do it at this particular type of event, the designated event, but if you look back at some of his his uh, trends coming into this week, he finished fifth at the Valspar, he finished sixth at Corrales, he finished tied for 29th at the RP- RBC Heritage, then in that team event at the Zurich, he finished third in the Mexico Open, T24, so Kudos to Wyndham Clark for getting this victory. And uh, I saw something that previous to this tournament win for him, his highest paid uh, single tournament was like four hundred, nearly five hundred thousand dollars. This payout was over three point something million for himself. So. Kudos to him for getting it done. Xander Shoffley, he finished second at 15 under par. Maybe this is a name to pay attention to for the PGA in two weeks if you are looking for a player who's trending in the right direction. Uh, Xander had a lot of short game struggles at the beginning of the year. Maybe seems to have rectified that a little bit uh, heading into the PGA Championship. So a name to potentially monitor there. Tyrell Hatton finished uh, third minus 12 and tommy fleetwood minus 11 tommy fleetwood always a phenomenal ball striker the question marks are always on the putting green and sundays those are the two kind of question marks surrounding tommy fleetwood but when it came to our guys ricky fowler he's the one that came through for us this week he finished in a tie for 14th so he's playing much better golf this year patrick cantlay was a bit disappointing after he fired a first round 67, he came back with two rounds of even par and then a Sunday 69. I thought we might see something a little bit there from Patrick Cantlay. I was riding the caddy change momentum that we've seen so far this year and it didn't materialize, but uh, we'll see how Patrick Cantlay gu- uh, does moving forward with Joe LaCava on the bag. As it comes to this week, we'll figure things out. The PGA Tour is in Texas for the AT&T by Bi- Nelson, and then as i've been talking about here and alluding to looking ahead trying to figure out some of the odds and what positions to take for the pga championship from oak hill in two weeks uh, i have to think that John Rahm will be the odds-on favorite heading into it just because he's been playing so well. He does have the Masters. Can he get two majors in a row on, uh, and then maybe we can have some Grand Slam conversation? But at least for now, he's been enjoying some Suns home games. He was there Friday night, and he was there yesterday.
0: I was just going to say, I know where he was over the weekend.
1: (laughs) Yeah, he was watching some hoops action, that's for sure. Uh, So we'll continue to figure out what to do on the PGA Tour for the AT&T Byron Nelson this week. That concludes our number one. Hour number two is coming up on the other side of the break. We'll dive into the Arizona Diamondbacks. We'll dive into the NL West. We'll dive into that Dodgers and Padres series and a couple of other important series as well. If we're in the uh, National League and American League, what's going on with those New York teams? It's not been going so well.
0: Well, one team has 14 players on the injured list, even though Aaron Judge is apparently going to come back tomorrow. Uh, I don't have much of an excuse for the Mets. Uh, they're just maybe not good. And uh, Scherzer hasn't been good, and Verlander just came back. So maybe that's a. Uh, if you have hope for the Mets, uh, maybe they both figure it out simultaneously, and they're both healthy simultaneously, which would be helpful. And that's suspended.
1: Hour so. one of this May 8th is in the books. Hour number two. Next, it's the extra point.